Before we dive into this episode, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you love listening to this show, please take a second and leave a review. It'll help boost the show so that others struggling in a toxic workplace can find it. Thanks. I started looking for jobs that were more in my field, like editorial, writing, magazine, editing. This is Lena. Lena works as an editor and publisher in Canada. I did a lot of management work beforehand. After years of managing, I figured I'm going to do the thing that I'm passionate about. I'm going to try my luck in publishing. It's a pretty small niche world to live in in terms of career paths. When I saw this place open up a job posting, it was actually a job posting that sounded more like office manager. But the entire description of the job itself was managing editor, which is a more publishing kind of title. And it was like a business magazine. It was a magazine publishing things around the city's small businesses. And so for me, the title wasn't really the important part. It was like what I would actually be doing and learning. And so I applied and I got a call back and there were some red flags like straight from the beginning, like the way they talked about the job. And when I got there, the interview was very much not even aligned with what the job description was. They were looking to check how quickly I could type. And they had like questions on a computer that were not at all really about the job itself. Lena would soon find that the job itself didn't match up to the job posting and that the owner of this magazine wasn't as she seemed on the surface. My name's Carly and this is Toxic Workplace, a podcast that gives a platform to those who have survived a highly toxic work experience only to come out with newfound wisdom and a renewed sense of self. A toxic workplace is more than just the daily grind. It's a soul-crushing experience that will chip away at your sanity until you're about to lose your mind. It's an abusive relationship that's hard to leave, and the longer you stay, the more you lose sight of who you set out to be. So basically, they wanted someone who could run every department. So they had a sales department, a marketing department, a content department, and an art department. And they wanted someone who could overlook all of those things and the publishing process. Anyway, so I went. The questions were very technical, but beginner level stuff. They didn't really ask about my experience in publishing or in editorial. They were more interested in like, could I make sure people got to work on time? And they were very managerial kind of questions. And I was like, well, yeah, I've been doing management for years. I can like let people know to be on time. And like, I know how to handle like issues that arise based on very simple like situations and actually I went home I didn't think that went like super well but they did end up calling me back with an offer that was very very low and so I declined and I said thank you actually like that is not the kind of salary that I'm looking for I figured that would be it I wouldn't hear from them again and then they called back and they were like well actually we like really want you on board we can go to this salary level and it was still pretty low but honestly it was a really cool opportunity I was really excited to get into like the actual editorial publishing world and so I was like well it's going to be a step down but whatever I'll work my way up I'll like make it work and I took it. Lena took the position despite the red flags of the lowball offer and the mismatched job posting title to actual expected duties because she saw an opportunity to get her foot in the door in the publishing world. 
The warning signs didn't seem too concerning at the time. But once she started with the magazine, more red flags were raised, and on her first day. They were, I want to say, red flags day one. When I came in, I started bright and early in the morning. They had sat me down in a boardroom with this girl who I've never met. And it was the, the owners and the HR manager and this girl. And they were like, this girl is really badly behaved. What we're actually looking for is someone who can control her because she bullies the staff and she doesn't really do a very good job and she lies. And you're going to be her direct supervisor, but she's going to give you trouble. And they said this in in front of this girl. And this girl just was not getting the fact that she was, I guess, being demoted right in front of me. It was very uncomfortable. It was very strange. She was like saying that, you know, people are liars in this company and she's being thrown under the bus. And this is like my first half hour of this job. And they're basically like that. She used to be the office manager. She's going to give you the key to her office. We're going to transition you. That's going to be your office. You're going to take over her responsibilities and more. And she's going to be like your little support system to like teach you everything about the company. And then she's going to step down and be like the office secretary or something. It was all very weird. I think this was also the first time she was hearing about it. And this girl, mind you, was also very toxic. Like she didn't want to give me the key to the office. And she was like tasked with introducing me to every department. And her response to this was to go into every department and be like, hey, guys, this is uh, Lena. She's going to be working with me to make sure that we're like all aligned and doing stuff better. And I'm like, no, like, I'm not here to work for you. I'm like the new managing editor and you're supposed to introduce me, which to be fair, I'm sure she wasn't shocked. But like it was basically her going to every department and saying that I was working for her and then me going back in for being like, no, like I'm the new manager. I felt kind of like a clown running around after this girl, but also like that was definitely not something I should have been doing in the first place because it's like that's a conversation HR should have had with the entire company before I came on board. This situation is so bizarre. The company didn't even notify the person Lena was replacing until the day Lena started, and they told her in a meeting with Lena present and then made her introduce Lena to the whole company. The HR manager or the president should have been the ones walking around introducing Lena as the new office manager, not the woman she was replacing. Talk about putting both women in an uncomfortable position. After the awkwardness of the first day, Lena was determined to understand the needs of her new team and was excited to help improve and develop the people. That was my first day, and I thought it was a good idea to go into every department, introduce myself after she's left and kind of just get an idea of like what people's strengths and weaknesses were and build on those. I wanted to build my own team because actually when they onboarded me for the 20 minutes that I got onboarded, they told me like, listen, like the, the, the magazine right now is not in a good place. The design is very bad. The writing subpar, like we need to elevate it. So we're going to have to have you build out your own team. You look at the people, see who needs to be either let go or trained and, and we'll work from there. And my thing was like, okay, I don't want to come in and just start firing people based off first experiences. I want to give them like a chance to improve, give them proper feedback. Like maybe they've never had a proper manager before. And so I went through each department, like talked to everyone, spent a few days figuring out who did what, 
having like an idea of what the rhythm of the place was. And then I had a meeting with the entire team saying like, I know I've spoken to you each individually, but here we are as a team. The goal forward is to have a better looking magazine. We're going to, we're going to take this in a whole new direction. I was also told that the girl who I was replacing, she was like a office bully who kept every department from talking to one another, which in a magazine like is unheard of. Like departments need to be able to to speak, to like walk in and, and have a conversation. And I was told that that needed to stop, that, that the departments needed to be able to speak to one another, that conversation needed to flow. She was just like a toxic seed in this place. And my question to HR was like, well, why are you keeping her around then? If she's so bad that like no one can do their jobs properly, if she's screaming at people, why are you keeping her employed? And they didn't want to get into that. That was like not a question that I should have asked. They're like, well, we're keeping her in because the owner feels bad. She wants to keep her around, but she just needs to learn her place. And I'm like, that is not something that like I would want an HR department to say to me. But that is what was said. And I was like, okay, well, then we're keeping her, I guess, and working with the with the issues for whatever reason. I kind of like started doing my own thing with the teams. I evaluated everyone. I really wanted to get people to start talking to one another. So I encouraged it. And maybe two weeks after I started, the, the owner got back to me. She's like, why is everyone chatting? Why is everyone talking to one another? They're not doing work. They're just talking. And I'm like, not true. Because again, like every everything that we had in terms of due, due dates were being done. And they were being hit. Like in my head, like I'm like, I don't care who talks to what department as long as their work is being completed. Because it's a creative process. And to me, it was like, I'm not here to like see people clock in and out. Like, if they're on time and they're producing their work, if they're meeting my deadlines, I don't really care how they're doing it. After the owner made the comment about people talking to one another, Lena knew something was strange about her new company. A magazine requires people to collaborate and come up with creative ideas. But this place seemed more like a turn-of-the-19th-century assembly line where employees weren't allowed to converse. On top of that, there were weird rules about how employees were allowed to dress. The dress code was super strict. It didn't want like bright colors. Nail polish couldn't be like bright. You couldn't wear a skirt. You couldn't wear high heels with like peep toe pumps. It was just like a very strange environment in that sense. And they did have some like old fashioned ideas. Like for example, people had to clock in on time. I like had to make sure that everyone was sitting at their desk and that the desks were clean. And when I initially went around to every department, like there were the writers were obviously the most vocal and they were like, listen, we can't even like go and interview people. Like, we're so glad that you're here. Maybe things will change because like this is not like what a magazine runs like. It's, it's like we're not even allowed to do our jobs properly. And I was like, well, yeah, of course, like if you have to go and interview someone for a piece, you should be able to do that. And what I quickly learned was that what I was being told I was coming in to fix was actually something that the management didn't want to fix. So they, in in essence, they were blaming this girl that had her own sets of issues, but they were blaming her for issues that like actually were, they were very strict about in the first place. And I didn't really understand why they hired me. And I was like, okay, listen, like I thought I was coming in here to make changes to make the designs better, to make the the writing better. But really, you're not allowing any of these changes to happen. And then I, like, within two weeks of being there, was being asked, like, well, why are you allowing people to talk to one another? Why are people, like, laughing and smiling in the hallways? And I'm like, do you not want your employees to be happy? Like, 
they're doing their job. Like we weren't allowed to sit in the break room, like more than one or two people separately in, in desks. People weren't allowed to go and have lunch together. They had cameras everywhere that they would like check. Like the owner would call me. She was like, why is this and this person going out and talking and like having lunch together? And I'm like, I don't know. Like they're human beings. I can't stop them. But like the expectation was that I was to stop them and like tell them not to go. And they were having like the, this magazine had no sales when I joined and very few when I was there because the sales team was built of people that weren't salespeople. They were marketers and they weren't even allowed to do their job properly. Like they had no leads to go on. The department was a mess. These girls were like told that they were going to do marketing and then told that actually they were going to do cold calls. Every department had people who were hired as one thing, but actually the job description was completely inappropriate and like inaccurate. The owner had full visibility as to what was going on within the walls of the company because she had surveillance cameras installed throughout the building. She used surveillance to monitor who was talking with who and then would have Lena tell them they weren't allowed to talk to each other. It sounds like something from a creepy movie, but the story gets weirder. The owner was never really present in the building, only on rare occasions, and wanted a play-by-play from Lena as to what everyone was doing at all times. So she has another company that's like finance, banking, and she has an HR department on our floor that's a completely separate office space that works with the magazine and the other company that she owns that's just on a different floor in this building. She had her own office on the same floor that the magazine and the HR department were in, but it was always locked and no one could go in. And it was just like a space that you could not enter. What we learned later was that they had cameras everywhere. The phones were tapped. They were listening to what people were saying on these phone calls. They had cameras all over the office that were constantly being monitored. Everywhere you could be in that building, they had cameras and she knew exactly who was seeing who, who was talking with who, what they were talking about. It was like the longer I was there, the crazier it got. Remember, Lena is telling her story in hindsight. She didn't realize the company was so highly monitored until towards the end of her employment with this company. She says it makes sense now how the HR department and the owner knew everything that was going on. About six months after Lena started, Sophie, her new colleague, started as a marketing assistant. So my story is actually completely different from Lena's. Because I didn't find out about the crazy until a couple of months in. When they called me, I was actually pretty shocked because I thought, why would I apply for a magazine? I have zero experience in that. But because I was desperate, I just, you know, I returned their phone call. I thought it was pretty basic, the interview process, to be honest. I guess I got an offer a week later and it was very low. (laughs) And this is coming from a person who used to work at McDonald's. McDonald's actually paid better than them. But because I wanted to be in a creative setting, I guess I just I just accepted it. And so I started working there. I remember my first day, I met Lena. And the first thing that she said to me was, I really care about people being late <laughs> and being on time. And I'll never forget that. And I kept thinking, that's such a strange thing to say. And I don't even remember being introduced to any other departments other than marketing. And um I think the first task that they asked me was to just audit the website. 
And I remember spending a bit of time on that, but I basically got paid very little to do work that didn't really do anything because I, I remember just throwing the piece of paper out after my audit. It was two months later. I think I got tired of just doing nothing and getting paid for nothing. And I just kind of went into Lena's um, office and I said, okay, I can do a bunch of things for you. I can help you elevate this magazine. And these are the things that I can do. And that's kind of how my story started. Sophie had almost no training when she started in her position as a marketing administrative assistant. This magazine had no real onboarding or professional development. Employees were expected to keep to themselves, clock in and out strictly on the dot, and churn out work with little to no collaboration. The focus was not on the development of the team or the creative process. It was on keeping tabs on all employees. Half of Lena's day eventually became devoted to sending an update to the CEO on what everyone was doing at all times. This was counterproductive to what Lena was hired to do, build a team that was engaged and inspired. So I don't even know how to begin to explain kind of how the departments functioned, but where I was like when I came in and was told like, hey, you'll be dealing with all the departments, that was true. But also I would get direction every morning from the CEO as to what she wanted me to do for the day. So this turned really toxic really quickly when I realized that 50% of my day was spent writing emails to the CEO about what was going on in the office. I would just get random phone calls when she would be really angry being like what are you guys doing like what are you working on you're not updating me I remember she left for two weeks to go on vacation and and her husband who was also a part of the magazine on paper walked into the office and started screaming at me being like what are you guys doing here the owner is so upset that you're not updating her on everything she was in a different country by the way he was like what are you doing here you're just talking you're not doing any work what's going on and I'm like I'm producing the magazine for you like there's timelines and I was like do not scream at me that is disrespectful the work is getting done she's out of the country how am I supposed to reach her what do you want me to do and he's like you have to email her every day and once as a joke more to myself than anything else while she was gone I sent this giant detailed email and I was like I'm going to like take it all the way too far just to show her how crazy this sounds Oh my God, she loved it. I accidentally screwed myself into the expectation being that she would get emails like that every day. And she's like, that was perfect. That is exactly what I, it was basically a rundown of what everyone was doing. She ate it up. She's like, this is exactly what I was looking for. And I'm like, I was kidding. This is crazy. And so half of my day went into writing this giant email that she expected to have at the end of the day, every day basically outlining what other people were doing meanwhile having to actually edit everyone's work as because like I actually did have to produce this magazine I would literally have like a notebook of just watching people come in and out of the office and it felt so crazy but it like quickly became the norm and that's what I think was super creepy is that that like level of micromanagement crazy was to me started looking normal And so when um, Sophie came on board, 
the only thing I could give her quickly was like, don't be late. Like, don't be late. I'll see you around. It was horrible, to be honest, because the thing is, I couldn't trust anybody. It felt like every time I talked to Lena, I was being monitored. And it was as if I was feeding into that whole, you know, favoritism thing that they created. So every time I'd go into her office, it felt like I was being monitored by everybody. And if I'm laughing too hard or too loudly, it's it's as if I'm I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm not supposed to be having fun at work. And it's seen as if, you know, again, it's favoritism to them. I remember we were going home. And so we were taking the tube home. And one of the assistants were in one car. And I remember I kept thinking, okay, we can't go in the same car because then they'll know that we're going home together. Mind you, we were just going in the same direction. But like... <laughs> Even that was like where they're going to see, they're going to think we're like up to something. We're in cahoots or something. Because we're taking the same bus home, like, because there was like two because it was like in the middle of nowhere. So there's like two buses, mind you. There's not like, you know, a bunch. And now thinking about it, I can't believe we actually allowed ourselves to be put in that position. Why did we feel the need to hide from these people? They're just co-workers. They, They don't have control over our lives or who we talk to or who, you know, we we interact with. This isn't your average run-of-the-mill micromanagement. This is on a whole different level. I'm not sure if you can even call this management. It's more like strict surveillance with the intent of control. When you're in an environment that enforces strict rules and regulation, and there's an authoritative figure that favors those who squeal on others, who stray from the rule book, it provokes a sort of scheming atmosphere. The kind of place where you're on pins and needles all the time and you don't know who's watching you and who's running to Big Brother. The head of the art department ended up being like an incredibly toxic person who would send emails to also the CEO about how I was a bully and would like make up lies and stories about things I did that didn't happen. And then HR would message me from their office down the hall and be like, what's going on in there? I'm like, I don't understand like what's happening yeah they basically created a gossip culture yeah and hr was at the center center of that that. the crazy is just overwhelming it was basically like every time someone would had a complaint instead of taking a look at it or asking me about like the reason behind the the changes i would be pulled into a meeting and like grilled over like why am i like favoring this person or that person and it was me being framed And then me having to explain myself to HR, but the CEO acted like she was surprised and shocked by everyone's behavior, but she actually had, like, she knew everything going on. Me as a manager, I'm pretty open. I told everyone from the start, I'm like, listen, like, you're allowed to not be happy with decisions. Come to me, ask me, I'll explain. If I can help, I will help. If you need training, we will train you. I'm not going to get angry because you have a problem with how I handled things. We'll talk about it. It all ended up being like they would just message HR, often lying about situations that never happened. It, my life would be became kind of like trying to explain to people who were very clearly not there to listen about like why I was trying to make their magazine money. It was crazy. And what blew my mind by the end of me being there was like, why would you want people to hate each other this much? Like, it doesn't make your magazine run at all like she made no money you know what it felt like it felt like they were feeding off of each other's crazy yeah that's what it felt like 
It's clear that the agenda of this company wasn't to transform its team or improve the organization. It almost seemed like the sole purpose was to feed the CEO's weird need to control everything. Despite the fact that Lena was constantly accused of picking favorites, she went to bat for Sophie and assigned more responsibility in the marketing department when she saw her talent and knack for marketing the magazine. It was during this time that the CEO hired a close friend of hers in the sales department named Mr. Wally, who was charming on the outside, but Lena and Sophie did some digging and they found some dirt. So back then, Mr. Wally seems like a nice person, um very well dressed, smooth talker. He used to call me before uh working hours around 8 o'clock in the morning and even after hours. So I'd say around 6-7ish and this place was so toxic that it it really I felt I felt so drained by the end of the day. And the last thing that I wanted to do was talk to the sales guy that was really close to my CEO. But because I know that he has a very brittle ego because he he'd get butt hurt if I if I didn't return his phone calls. I wouldn't hear the end of it. Later on, we actually find out that this man is a con artist. And there's actually articles written about him online about him conning people out of a bunch of money. Um I I don't remember exactly how much, but it was it was a lot Enough of people. to get to put him away for a few years. Yes. Here's the thing, we didn't find out until like a we thought year. he was a really nice guy. Okay, so we basically found out about him conning people about a year after I left the magazine. Looking back at it because there were times when he'd offer me a ride home or you know he'd offer to grab coffee and there's only so many times you can say no to someone and um just thinking back on on this now it's it's very cringy because i didn't know that he did all these things to you know people, people. i mean it's 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 really sad because people lost a ton of money because they believe in this this guy's pitches Yeah. And he had a ton of them. Um we actually looked into these articles and he had three or four fake companies. She would do this thing where she would hire people who she knew and they would be untouchable. One day, Mr. Wally comes to me and says, "I have found you guys a perfect sales guy. He's going to head the sales department. He has experience. He's a businessman. It's going to be great." Day after that, I'm pulled into a meeting with this guy who pitches me his this whole theory on how he can rebrand the entire sales team and we can make sales and it'll be amazing and it was offshore call centers just this giant theory of like how he planned to do things. He seemed really nice. The weekend following that we come into work and he is now the president of the company. and i don't know how to explain it better than that so apparently he mr wally and the and the owner had coffee over the weekend and he basically said that the only way he was coming on board is is if she made him president of the company and she did and he was almost worse than everything else combined he was a a family member of mr wally who was her best friend And one of the guys from the writing department comes to me one day and he's like you googled his name right and I was like no I didn't why and he's like he was in jail for like 
two to three years for like penny stock fraud and defrauding people. And she hired an ex-con and it got out not through me because I was like, don't maybe tell people that. I don't know. But like, I guess people started talking already because it was just a Google search. It wasn't even like this information was pretty fresh. And he brought everyone into the office and he was like, yeah, it was all a lie. I was framed. And she that Monday morning and she's like, I think I made a really big mistake. You're going to have to help me. You're going to have to support me. Cause she would do this thing where she would like, I would get like steamrolled by, by HR and all these complaints. And then she'd call me and be like, I can only trust you. Like you're the only person I can trust in here. You have to help me. Like, please don't quit. She, I remember her holding my hand crying and asking me not to quit. The CEO, clearly not a great decision maker. Hiring a president of the company on a whim would prove to change the dynamic of the company for the worst. I remember him pulling us into the boardroom and he went around and he asked us what like what our skills were and where we went to school. And everyone was pretty proud of it because we were all like pretty like well-educated, like working for a magazine. We have the background. And I remember him looking and laughing and he's like, well, I didn't even finish high school and look how like much better I am than you guys. And like, I'm the president. And maybe one day if you're smart enough, you'll get like here too. And that was the sort of stuff that happened on the daily. It became like a daily puppeteer show of like his meetings that he would have us in there for like five hours at a time to just rant and talk about his ideas that like never, ever came to fruition. He would pit people against each other. He would lie about people. He, took over my office and like ended up trying to demote me and basically tried to write me up for stuff that didn't happen. I remember being dragged into the boardroom once and the HR lady's there and she has a list and I'm being written up by him. This was maybe like a week after he started. And I'm like, okay, well, like go through the list with me then. Like, let's see what I'm being written up for. And it was like insubordination, uh, security risks, and the security risk was that I had the password to the, I guess, website. And the lady, like one of the ladies in the in the design department somehow got a hold of a pass of the password. And he thought he could nail me on a security risk because no one was allowed to go into the back end of the website, like ever, even though normally people should because we're all writers and we work for a magazine. But this was, and so he tried to nail me as like, he was like, you, you created the security risk. Like, how did that person get the password? And he's the one who gave her that password and I reminded him of that and he didn't know what to say to me he just started removing these like lists because I would just be like well that's not true that never happened like you did that that wasn't me and he just would like sit there with this his list of write-ups and just try to and like he would just scratch them all off and at one point I looked at the HR in him and I was like I'm gonna need a copy of that write-up because I need that for my files and they wouldn't give it to me he ended up taking most of it out on Sophie so I got kind of like demoted because he wanted my office. And so I ended up like being shifted into like the writing department, like into a desk, which like, again, I didn't really care. But like, I knew he was like trying to like power trip all over the place. So I was like, you can have the office, you child. I don't care. But Sophie actually ended up getting promoted, I guess, because he wanted to to play this mind game of like, trying to like get her to be on his side and like his team player when it was uh, my time to be assessed by uh, the quote-unquote president I remember I guess to get me on his side he um, offered me a 50 cent raise 
And the CEO looked at me and she she said, "I'll do you one better. I'll give you a dollar raise per hour." I thought, "Wow." <laughs> They looked at me as if I I should be grateful for this one dollar raise. And at some point during that meeting, he he looked at me and he basically asked me for my loyalty. I don't remember exactly what he how he said it verbatim, but it was it felt like I was in Game of Thrones or something, and I was like pledging my loyalty to somebody. <laughs> it was the strangest thing. Looking back at it now, I think the re- part of the reason why I was dragged into these meetings and that he tried to make me feel special, which is honestly disgusting. Um, I think part of that was because he wanted to know what was going on with me and Lena, and I guess he did me. I guess he thought that you know at some point I'm going to slip up, whatever that means, because you know there's nothing going on. Uh, we weren't you know planning anything to dethrone him, but in his little mind, that's what was happening. He was telling me that you know it looks bad because it looks like we're playing favorites. You know he expected more from me that I shouldn't be doing that, and I just kind of had to sit there and you know think, what the hell's going on? Why am I? Why am I here? Why don't I just walk out? Why do these people get to tell me who I can and cannot have lunch with? What happened right after that was they ended up scheduling lunches for people. But it was to the point where, like, if you didn't have, like, if you if you were doing something and didn't have time to go to lunch, you had to call HR to let them know. This company had full control, all the way down to a lunch break. A scheduled lunch break is ridiculous. If you're not manning a station like the phones or a front counter, why do lunches need to be scheduled? It was a tactic of control. The new president had a hidden agenda, and both Sophie and Lena couldn't figure out why he had it out for Lena. Usually, bullies pick on those who make them feel more insecure than they already are. He was looking for the smallest missteps to bring her down, even if it meant that he had to pull it out of thin air. Quite quickly after he came on board, I noticed that like he was trying to write me up. I at one point ended up in a boardroom in a completely different part of the office, like not in the magazine office. And I think I said something like, "Well, we're a small magazine, so we have to do this and this and this." And he told the owner that I called our magazine small, and I got dragged for like a two-hour reprimand HR session basically saying how I insulted the magazine and how he wanted because he wanted to constantly cut my pay which mind you wasn't like it was not minimum wage but it wasn't like super high above that like I wasn't getting paid like you know hand over fist but he was trying to find any way to like demote me and cut my pay because that was his way of dealing with not having sales And so I remember getting dragged into this meeting where he was there, the owner was there, HR was there, and they were basically like berating me for things I didn't do and using this whole thing as like me insulting the magazine for being small. And the owner acted like she was incredibly hurt about this thing I said. And I'm like, that's not what I meant at all. And we're like, it's 20 people. We're a small business. Like you cannot pretend to be upset about the fact of it being a small business. If you rewind back to the beginning of this story, you'll remember that the woman who Lena replaced was being accused of similar behavior. But Lena was so roped into the middle of it, it was hard for her to see what was actually going on. After I came back, we came back from the Christmas break. Maybe a day after that, they pulled me into like into the space, and they were like, "Well, we're gonna have to let you go. We're like downsizing," and it was like the saddest thing because. 
I wanted to quit. <laughs> but I like was thinking of still hanging on. And when they did that, it like this giant weight was lifted off me. And I was honestly so happy because I was so like stuck in that toxic loophole of trying to like work through these problems that it didn't even occur to me that I could quit. It like didn't occur to me that I could just like get up and quit. I asked Lena what it was about this company that made her stay for so long. What was it that she was holding on to? One of the biggest reasons was helping the CEO improve the magazine. The idea of taking something that was struggling and to give it new perspectives and ideas that would make it a success. For me, it was when I started, I noticed that the magazine was run by a woman. She was a little bit older. The way she talked about like how she wanted this to work, I was like, I can make this happen for you. And I was so invested in helping this older lady make her like dream come true. Also my career, but it almost became the thing where I was like, listen, like I can help. Like I can actually make it work for you. Like, let me help you. And it was the fact that I was trying to get into the field, but it was like a genuine want to help this woman make her dream come true. But the sad thing is that like while I was out, Sophie was still in the trenches of this hellhole because I told her like, you cannot quit. Like without a job lined up, don't quit just because I got fired. And we were friends by that point. And I was just like, you can't do that. Like just find a job first. Sophie was still in the trenches after Lena was let go, but this wouldn't last long. Sophie says one of the biggest reasons she stayed at the company for so long was because she liked working with Lena and believed in her vision for this magazine. I was sold. Like I, I thought, you know, she wanted to make the company a better place. And I, I also wanted to do that. And I wanted to do that with her. And that's why I stayed for so long. And we made a really good team. I mean, if you cut away all the bullshit and all the, you know, the drama of the place, like we could have actually made this magazine a lot better than it was. But, you know, they just didn't allow us the space to do it. Uh, I remember being put into you know the boardroom for five hours a day while doing you know other things while doing my daily task and it's just it was draining listening to an ex-con talking about sales when you know it, it just didn't make sense the things that he was saying it was just gobbledygook he's one of those people that just likes to hear himself talk and so I had to I had to kind of just play the part until I, I found a job. When Lena left, I just let it go. I just kind of let all let, let the facade go that I was happy there. My friend was gone and they they fired her with no cause. And I was stuck in this hellhole. And so um I remember Lena, she basically called me up once and asked me to start a marketing agency with her. I said, okay, yeah, let's do that. And while I was looking for jobs, um, I started creating our LinkedIn page. Lena warned me and told me, you know, they're going to find this. They're going to you're going to get fired before you even find a job. But the thing is, I wanted to get fired. It was it was kind of funny because the thing is, I didn't want to hide anything. I wanted I wanted them to find out that I started a new a new company with with my friend who they just fired. To them, that's like the worst thing that I could have done. This one dark day, I got pulled into the office. I don't know. I just had a feeling that something was, there was something off about that day. I didn't really see anybody. I got pulled into the boardroom and up on the um, the big screen in the boardroom was our LinkedIn page for our new company. 
the HR lady who hates me and the president just kind of looks at me very disappointed. And the first thing he said was, what do you have to say for yourself? And I almost laughed because I thought, well, I didn't hide it. I mean, you guys aren't detectives. You didn't solve anything. <laughs> and really, I really didn't hide it. I, I actually told Lena, I said, you know, it'd be funny if I get if they find out and I get fired for this. And that's what happened. And I remember it was raining. I had I had all my stuff. The strange thing is that life is kind of funny in the sense that so that day when I got fired, I actually got my offer letter for a new job. I just got fired and I got hired in the same day. And I was I was so happy that this happened. The universe works in mysterious ways. It's amazing when the timing works out so perfectly as if it was all part of a greater plan. After being in such a controlling and manipulative work environment, I asked both Lena and Sophie what they learned from this experience and how it changed their perspective on things. What I learned was that you can't really ever trust anyone. And that's not a negative or a positive. It's just it's just a fact of life. Like you, People can say one thing and turn around and say something completely else behind your back but I also I don't think I ever lost hope in people like knowing when to say no and knowing that if you're disrespected like that at work that possibly quitting is a healthier better option if you can than sticking it out if someone has to ask you to not quit you should probably not be in that place and that's what I, I think kind of learned from that experience I guess for me, in my new job, I learned that just staying true to myself and keeping that self-integrity, you know, just that something better will come along. And I I do really believe in karma. I don't remember ever yelling or being angry at anybody, no matter what they said about me or to me. I guess people probably think that, you know, it's, it's me just being too meek and not and just kind of taking it. But to me, it's more like, I'm not going to stoop down to their level and I'm going to get to where I want to be. And it's going to happen because I'm just a better person. I think not losing your integrity in toxic workplaces is so important because then you don't feel like you're disgusting and part of that slimy culture. Yeah. And I think we both got out of there. Like we had our own like wounds to lick, but looking back, I don't regret not feeding into that. And and everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah. We can't we can't really regret what happened because it kind of brought us together, and it also gave us better jobs later on. And if I, I never worked for them, if I never answered that phone call, I wouldn't I wouldn't be working for a tech company right now. It's just it was a stepping stone to something better, a painful lesson, and a <laughs> and a and a and a very small stepping stone to something better. We all love a happy ending, and this story wouldn't be complete without the love story that it turned into. After leaving the magazine, Lena and Sophie started a company of their own. Their close friendship blossomed into something more. So we started a company together, and we were friends for over a year before we started dating. We knew we vibed really well as friends. We worked together really well, and then it just kind of blossomed into into love we've been together now for three years but like i want to say a year out of that hellhole is when when we realized that we had feelings for each other the silver linings that live on these hard roads we stumble down 
usually don't make themselves known until the dust has settled and we have found a new path that leads to new beginnings. All the while, that bumpy, unbearable journey was entirely necessary to bring us to what is right and true. This magazine was the bumpy road that Lena and Sophie needed to set their career on the right path and ultimately find each other. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Do you have a story you'd like to share on our show? Go to ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com and click on Be a Guest. Fill out the submission information and we'll be in contact. Your story will be told anonymously. All names are changed to protect the privacy of the company and its employees. We look forward to hearing from you. And hey, by the way, if you like this podcast, please be sure to leave a positive review. It's much appreciated.